is no power like the mighty name of Jesus. Can someone say amen? Man, it's good to be in church today. Y'all having a good morning? Y'all having a good morning? Come on. Awesome. I was just upstairs with a bunch of new people at DNA and uh, absolutely love meeting all the new people up there. In fact, I, uh, I, I have never been accused of um, not having enough words and so um, I, I just came down, put my mic on and walked on stage straight away. So, but I could hear, I'm like, man, something's going off down there, you know? They're loving it. They're in the house of God. Someone came to worship today, right? Come on now, right? The, the, the most important thing we do every single weekend, right, is worship God. That's the most important thing we do here every single week is we come to church and we worship the Lord, amen. And uh, someone came to worship today, didn't you? <clears throat> so welcome to church. If you're new, my name is Jesse. I am so glad to see you here today. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Eternity. We've got a gift for you out in the lobby. Uh, as soon as you go out those doors, immediately to your right, there's a team of people dressed in fluoro yellow, and they want to bless you with your free gift. It's one of those Be Holy shirts. Um, that logo you see up there out in the lobby there, um, we've got a shirt with that on it for you so that every time you look in the mirror, when you walk past, maybe down the street, you're about to cuss somebody out, right? You're like, get out of your car. <coughs> Someone took your parking spot in front of St. Kilda or in front of Friedrichs or wherever it is you're going to get a coffee. And then you, you, you're walking down there ready to beat that person up and you see your reflection, you're reminded. Be holy, bro, be holy. So we've got one of those shirts out there in the lobby for you. Uh, we made those shirts because uh, we've been seeing some of you misbehave in public. And we felt like some of y'all needed a reminder, okay? And so, so and I'm just messing with you. Go get your free shirt. Uh, I want you to know that we love you. We're so glad that you're here today. We love you, all right? We love you. Don't know everything you've done, but we love you. Jesus loves you. That's more important than how much we love you. Jesus loves you. I hope you know that. I hope you leave this place today, and no matter how messed up you have been, I hope you leave and you're like, you know what? I'm glad Jesus loves me. And, uh, and so we just want you to know we love you, God loves you, and we're glad you're in church today. Today we're going to read from Genesis chapter 20, verse 17, uh, through to Genesis chapter 21, verse 7. Last week I preached a sermon on Genesis chapter 20, uh, which involved from uh, verse 1 through to verse 16 or 17 as well. Uh, but for context today, we're going to read from verse 17 of 20. Okay, if you want to watch last weekend's sermon, we did have two Q&As on Sunday uh, with um, Sean Foyt. Uh, it was a great day, Let Us Worship, and TPUSA uh, uh, blessed us by having him here. And then on the Saturday night, though, I preached a sermon um, that I think you should read, as, uh, that you should go watch as well. <clears throat> so, Genesis chapter 20, verse 17 through to 21.7. It says, Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech. And he also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So what's going on here? Well, if you weren't here last week, um, just prior to this, in this chapter, Abraham actually just rolled back into those, uh, she is my sister vibes, those lies that he'd been telling uh, along the way uh, on his journey out of his father's house. And he, he said it again in the last chapter. 
And then Abimelech was just ticked off. He's like, man, I'm a good man. What did I do to deserve this? How have I ever wronged you? Why would you bring this upon me and my family? Uh, and then, um, and, he does, and he's just mad at Abraham. And then, and God speaks to Abimelech and he's like, hey, Abraham's a prophet of God. Have him pray for you and everything will get better. And because Sarah was in the house, God had closed the wombs of, Abimel- of Abimelech's house, uh, everyone in their household. And, um, and then Abraham, the man who's been through all this junk, even just moments before this, prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves. So they bore children. Verse one of 21. And then when, well, right then, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, um, uh, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Not laugh at me, laugh over me. And she said, who would have thought, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that about 4,000 years later, about 4,000 years after this, we get to sit here and read it in your house, still marveling at the wonder, the glory, the goodness, the mercy of our great God. God, I thank you that we get to read this and know that this happened. This is what you did through these people. And I pray that today we would leave here just reminded again of your mercy and your goodness and your timing. And I pray you help me preach your word. I pray you strengthen my voice to preach a word that will encourage, uplift, and strengthen every believer in this room, every believer in every room in every campus, and online as well. I pray this in the name of Jesus, because someone say amen. 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 Come on. You may sit down, take your seats. I've got a word for you today. What I want to do, though, is I want to rewind back Uh, immediately, I want to rewind back to Genesis uh, chapter 12, okay? And so we're in Genesis chapter 21, but right now I want to rewind to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read uh, verse 1 to 3, and then I'm going to read verse 6 and 7, okay? So listen to this. This is back when God called Abraham, okay? Now the Lord said to Abram at that time, his name was still Abram. His name was father, didn't have any kids, right? Uh, His name was just Abram. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And uh, in, all, in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. And by the way, at Eternity Church, we still believe that this promise is true, that if we bless the household of Abraham, 
that God will bless us. That if we curse the household of Abraham, that we will be cursed, okay? That, 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 now, what's that mean? Israel, all right? Why, why did, well, God doesn't break his promises, amen? And so, so we still believe that. Actually, we're gonna try and finally take a trip to Israel soon, but, um, uh, and we just wanna bless that place and pray there. Um, but I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And it goes on to say, and through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that's talking about the Messiah, the Savior. Jesus Christ would come through the lineage, through the descendants of Abraham. And because of that, every family on earth was <clears throat> blessed, right? And then we go to verse 6 and 7. It says, then Abraham, after leaving his father's house, uh, he passed through the land to the place of Sheshem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And what's fascinating about that is that's to your offspring, I will give this land, okay? He had no offspring at all. Dude had no family. Uh, he left all of his family behind. He had no kids. His name was Father. He was not a father. And uh, at this point, a dream comes alive in Abraham, in Abram's heart that, you know what? At some point soon, God is going to give me a kid. And then 25 years later, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. Okay, so <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12 you're going to have kids, and I'm going to give this land to them. Uh, Genesis 21, 25 years later, Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. 25 years later. That's the story, right? When God speaks, God does it. Boom, right? Right? When God makes a promise, all you got to do is just believe, and boom, there it is, right? Or is it more likely you're probably going to have to fast forward five years, 10 years, 15 years, 25 years? And, and then there it is, it's done, right? See, because when God speaks, sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes it's like, God's like, let it be so, let there be light, boom, light. And you're like, that was cool. And sometimes God says, you're gonna have kids, and then you're like, wife, let's go. Nine months later, you're like, we don't have a kid. What happened, Lord? Did I, did I not hear right? Are you, are you not doing what you said you were going to do? Why, why is she not pregnant? Why are we not having kids yet? Five years later, what's happening? Don't know what's going on. Right, it's not really just fast-forwarding 25 years. Usually it's a roller coaster ride up and down, right? Emotions, doubt, faith, joy, pain. All, all, it's not just like a straight shot on a straight road from the moment God said it to the moment that you experience the fruition of that promise in your life. And so today, the title of my message is 25 Years Late, Err, okay? 25 Years Late, Err. 25 years is a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Like, come on, most of you have never had to wait 25 years for anything in your life. You're like, I need popcorn, one minute later. And, and then if it's not all popped, you're like, oh my goodness, I gotta put it back in for 30 seconds. And like, right, we're so used to like, I want popcorn, boom, popcorn. 
I want a movie. Don't even have to go to Blockbuster anymore. Don't even have to rewind anymore, right? Just, just, just put this, like, no, no, I'm not even putting a disc in anymore. I just go, Netflix, done, right? We, we get everything so quick now, it's hard to comprehend that sometimes when God speaks to you, you might actually have to wait 25 years till it comes into your life. And some of you are like, well, I've had to wait. I, you know, I really believed I was going to get a house. Yeah, you bought it at 28, You weren't waiting 28 years. You didn't come out of the womb going, God promised me a house. No, it was like you were 24 and you're like, I've got to have a house. And you're like, four years work? Are you kidding me? Come on, right? 25 years is more than enough time to begin to doubt. It's more than enough time to give up. It's more than enough time to question, is the miracle coming later or is the miracle late? Am I too late? Have I missed something? Who knows 25 years between a promise and receiving it is definitely enough time to make a fool of yourself, right? Telling everybody, hey, uh, my name's Father. Everyone's like, you have no kids, dude. You, You need to be Steve, okay? You don't have kids. And then later on, he's like, you know what? I got a new name for you. My name is father of many. They're like, bro, you have one illegitimate child. You're not the father of many. What what, what are you talking about, bro, right? Like it's more than enough time to make a fool of yourself. And for Abraham, I imagine it was enough time for all of those things. It wasn't just that he didn't have a kid to leave stuff to, although that's important, right? It's cool to be able to say, all right, when I'm done on earth, there will be finances and House left for some children. Obviously, they're going to have to divide it by five, so it's not going to work out to a lot when I'm gone. But, um, but it's cool to know that something materialistically will leave, but it's even more exciting to know that when I die, that, that God willing, I have left a spiritual inheritance for my kids uh, and for generations that come after them and for the community that I lived in. I want to leave a mark. Uh, I don't care if in 10 years no one ever says my name again. I don't care if they forget who I am, but I hope that I leave some kind of spiritual influence behind, and that's cool. And Abraham didn't have the ability to do that, but it wasn't just that he didn't have somebody to pour into to leave something behind. It was also that his wife, Sarah, the most beautiful woman, right? Sarah was so beautiful that at, at, at like 90 years old, dudes are wanting to take her from Abraham, <clears throat> Right? Right? Like, that must have been a good-looking woman. I'm just saying, right? right? And, and he's thinking, man, I've got this, this treasure, this beautiful woman. I love her dearly. I treat her poorly, but also good as well. And, um, and, but, 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 but if I die, she has nothing because it's going to go to my son. If I die, she, she, she's got nothing. And all of this stuff will go to some servant in my household or somebody like that and my wife won't be cared for. And for 25 years, he's got to deal with the fact that he's got no one to leave anything to and a wife he'll leave behind. That's a weight to carry. In Abraham's 25 years, he saw a lot of God's faithfulness, but he also was on a massive roller coaster ride. Like it was up and down and, and up and down. It, it was, it's crazy. And the, the beautiful thing about reading all of Genesis and doing a sermon series through it is you get to be a part of 
that, right? And we, we stop looking at it like this great, like long, like just glorious, just sort of uphill road where it's just getting better and better and we actually see it for what it really was. Could probably relate a little better to it that way, right? <laughs> Abraham hears the word of the Lord. Uh, he gets up and he, he, he goes. He leaves his father's house like he was told. Um, he was told to leave your father's house and your father's family and everyone you're related to, but he takes a lot with him. So we're like up and we're like immediately, we're like a, a, a little bit down, but then God promises him kids and grandkids and a long line of powerful descendants, and then, and then we're, we're, we're going up the roller coaster again, and, and then the very next story that we see in the Word of God is Abraham lying about his relationship with his wife uh, and, 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 and really sort of lacking some kind of godly masculinity at that time in his life, puts his wife in danger, and so we're sort of going down the roller coaster again, and then, and then, then we see him in a, um, uh, we see him um, start building great wealth after that. And so we're going up again. And then his, um, his servants and his nephew's servants, who he was supposed to leave behind, they start fighting. And then <clears throat> we start going down the roller coaster. And, and then they, they part ways and it's sad. And Lot goes to Sodom. He pursues the ways of the world with the people of the world doing the things of the world. And Abraham goes the other way. He's making his decision based on the faithfulness of God that whether, whether I go that way, that way, that way, or that way, wherever I go, God will take care of me because he's a good God and he made promises to me. And we're going back up the, the, the roller coaster. We're going up again and it's amazing. It's glorious. And then Sarah says, hey, you know, why didn't you go sleep with my servant Hagar? And Abraham's like, yes, dear. And then we're going down the roller coaster ride. And then a whole world of problems exist uh, to this very day because of that moment of unfaithfulness between Abraham and Sarah. We have problems today, uh, especially in the Middle East and all over the world because of that moment right there. Um, and so Sarah then gets mad and, and we go on further down and this is the magical moment uh, where Abraham learned that in spite of hundreds and thousands of years of uh, married men uh, giving advice that in actual fact, yes, dear is not always the appropriate answer. And, uh, and some of us still have to learn that because, uh, 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 men, can I let you in a little secret? Your wife is wrong sometimes. This idea that you should tell me, I, I get mad at it. I'm like, and I, I, thought, I thought it was funny when I was young. And then once I lived with Lauren long enough to realize that she's not as perfect as she presented before we got married, that, um, look, hey, don't get me wrong. She's far better than I am, all right? She's incredible. She's better and better. I love her more and more every week, but she's, she's, not, she's just not as perfect as I thought before we got married. That's it. You know, it's all I'm saying, you know. And sometimes if I say yes, dear, to her, we're going to lose everything. Jesse, go invest in this. Yes, dear, we're broke. You know what I mean? Like, like, like women can be wrong too. The idea that men should just always say yes, dear, what an amazing way to abdicate spiritual authority in your life. Come on now. Can't be bothered having some conflict. I'll just say yes, dear. All right, it's a bad idea. Now, hey, just by the way, men are wrong probably as often as women, okay? There should be no yes, dear, or yes, sir, kind of everything in our relationships. And Abraham realized that just then, that you know what? That was bad advice. So they're down. 
Then Sodom gets overtacked and overthrown. We're going down again. Lot gets carried away. Uh, we're going down. And then Abraham rescues Lot and the entire city. And we're going back up. And things are looking good. And everybody's now, uh, his name has become great. Uh, even just then, it's beginning to unfold as, as God had promised. And then God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy that wicked city. And God destroys that wicked city. Uh, and then Abraham meets Abimelech and he rolls right back into those Borat vibes. And he's like, she's my sister. And then, and then we're going down again. We're going down and Abimelech is saddened by Abraham's lies. And then uh, God calls Abraham a prophet in the middle of it. Abraham prays for Abimelech and his people and God heals all of their wombs. And Sarah gets pregnant and they have a son and his name is Isaac. That was crazy, right? Like, it, it wasn't just like, you're going to be a daddy. And then, like, he's, like, rolling through, like, the, the forest, and there's flowers, and he's like, oh, there's my son, you know? Like, <clears throat> like it was a mess. Bad things happened to him, bad things happened around him, and bad things even happened because of him. As I read the story, though, I can't help but wonder if Abraham were in one of our churches these days, if Abraham lived in America these days, would, would we even let him minister in any of our churches? Would, would we even let him minister to anybody? The man's a prophet, are you kidding me? I think that when the promise was just about to arrive in his life, we, 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 we would all, Americans, we would start you know, uh, diving through his history. Australians would... The English would, all of us in the, we would, in the Western world, we'd be diving through their history. We would get so deep in Abraham's Twitter feed, we'd go all the way back to when it was Abram. We'd find some reason from 25 years ago to destroy him. Some, someone, we, we would just, just before that glorious moment, just before that wonderful moment when, when the promise is about to arrive, that beautiful wonderful experience, someone would, would get 25 years deep in his Twitter feed and they'd find this old tweet and they'd put it in the news and they'd tell everybody, like, I found it. I saw it. Look at this chauvinist. Look at this anti-women anti pig of a man. He, you're having him at what church? And then all the, all the rainbow crowd would be there protesting your church. You got this chauvinistic anti-woman jerk bag coming to your church, right? That's what would happen in America if we had this guy. They'd be like, we can't let someone like that minister in this church. We can't let someone like that run our company. We can't let someone like that work at our store. And we would presume to know what's in their hearts now based on what they did in 1921 BC. <clears throat> Wouldn't we? We would presume that God did not know back then what we know now. We would presume that when God called Abraham, that God didn't know at the time of the calling what we know at the time of our reading. We so often begin to pronounce condemnation and judgment upon a person as if we are the God of the heavens and the earth. Can I let you know, I don't care what you did in 1921 BC. Okay, I don't care. <clears throat> I don't care what you did years ago. I don't care what you did last week. I care about what you're gonna do tomorrow. 
We're at Eternity Church not to change your yesterday, but to change your tomorrow. If, if what you did last week is what you're planning on doing tomorrow, we need a conversation. But as far as your life goes, the best way I can tell you how grace and mercy and truth works here at Eternity Church, and honestly, here in the Word, for yesterday, there's mercy. For tomorrow, there's grace and there's truth. <clears throat> Amen. For yesterday, there is mercy. For tomorrow, grace and truth. The grace of God will help you receive the truth and live in it. Today, we'll talk about the right way to live tomorrow and give you mercy for the wrong way you lived yesterday. Amen. I remember a few years ago, there was this young man named Carson King. If we can roll that up on the screen, remember this guy? Yeah. His bush light supply needs replenishing, you know? I thought that was hilarious. Anybody else, right? Like, I just thought it was hilarious. Like, like I, I, I was like, should I buy him a beer? I don't know. No, 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 don't do that. Stupid, you know what I mean? Like, like it was just so bold and audacious. I, I love audacity, you know what I mean? And um, <clears throat> he held this sign up at a football game uh, in 2019, um, and, uh, and, and then, and, and, and just cash started flowing into his Venmo account. Like, like it was rolling in to Carson's Venmo account and, and, uh, so much came in. He started to feel like keeping it all would be the wrong thing to do. So he de decided to donate it to the children's hospital in Iowa. And then millions and millions of dollars came in. And then Bush Light, again with the lights, right, um, got wind of it, put his face on their can. Apparently they like doing that. And, um, and then, <laughs> it's just a thing apparently. And then um, a news reporter did what they call general background or general research or something on Carson King. And what they found was that this 24 year old was a bit of an idiot when he was 18 or 16. You know, shocker, right? Hands up if you're an idiot when you were 16, all right? Like, give me a wave, right? Like, all right, for the rest of you who didn't put your hand up, okay, when you were 15, all right? <laughs> there we go, all right? <laughs> all right. And then, and then after this, uh, Bush Light proceeded to cancel him. <clears throat> so did the news. So did social media. And, uh, and they, they didn't want anything to do with him anymore. Like a beer company is the right moral compass for America. I don't know about you, but like in 2019, with the way they rolled then and now with that, that, that other brand that you can't even say from church stage now, like now between those two, I'm like, like listen, beer companies, you, you're not our moral compass, all right? Th this is where we're going to get our instruction from. Can, can I get an amen? Right? And, and, and everything came crashing down for this young fella because of an eight-year-old tweet. An eight-year-old tweet tweet from when he was 16. 16. Are you kidding me? I was a moron when I was 36. <laughs> and we, we're judging him for when he was 16? Are you kidding me? I have been like somewhat mildly decent for like eight months now. <laughs> and we're judging this guy because of when he was 16. Are you kidding me? That is nuts. I think if those news reporters got a hold of Abraham's tweets, he'd never be allowed to be called the father of the faith. Right. They'd be like, you can't put a chauvinist up there. 
should be a they them of the faith. You can't have a father of the faith. It should be a she of the faith. Ain't no way that we'd be able to sing, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons said, Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, right arm. Like you couldn't sing that. They'd be like, there's no women in that song. You can't be singing about a chauvinist and only have sons in the song, right? They would be after him. They'd be after him like white on rice. Now, I'm not making excuses for Abraham's poor behavior. I'm just saying that, man, after the cross, we need to remember mercy now more than ever before. If God can remember it then, surely we can remember it now. You know what I love most about the 25-year wait Abraham endured? We learn so much about the nature of God. In the waiting, we learn so much about the nature of God. We learned that the calling of God is without repentance in Romans, uh, sorry, in the, in the waiting. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 in the New King James Version, it says, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Some of you are like, you can't say that. Um, it's just the Bible. Don't argue with the Bible, all right? It's what it says, okay? You're like, because grace is hard, right? Come on, it is. Truth is hard. But grace is hard too. Y'all like Harvey Weinstein gets grace? Yeah, if he comes to the Lord. If he comes to the Lord for yesterday, mercy. (laughs) What? Are you kidding me right now? Yes, for real. Grace is hard. For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that you and I don't need to repent. That's not what it means. It means that God isn't going to change direction. It means that if God said over there, Steve's going to be A, B, or C. Well, that's still going to be true no matter how Steve gets there. Steve may roll like this and go that way. But God's not going to change direction. God's not going to change his mind. God's not going to turn around. You are. That's what his gifts and his callings are without repentance means. It means God will not change direction. You will. You will repent. And then the gifts and the call of God on your life will remain the same. If you're called to be a minister, you're still called to be a minister. God didn't change his mind because you rolled this way or you rolled that way. It's still the call of God on your life. If God said you're going to have a son, you're, you're going to have a son. You, you, it may look like to everybody else that you don't deserve it, but God has not changed his mind. God does not turn around. We do. God knew you were going to change. God knows that people do change when they have an encounter with God. We, we hear people, people don't change. People don't change. People remain the same. They don't change. They'll never stop. That's not true. People do change when they have an encounter with God, when they surrender to God, when they surrender that part of their lives, when they let the Holy Spirit work in them. So when God ordained Abraham, when God said Abraham will be a prophet, God still called him a prophet even after terrible failure. Because God didn't make his decision 
based on Abraham's uh, sort of sales pitch to God. Abraham didn't come up to God and be like, Lord, I want to be a prophet. And God's like, well, you tell me why I ought to pick you. And then Abraham gives him his resume. And can I tell you the resume? Like, I've seen some resumes. I don't know. I don't know about you, but most time I look at someone's resume, I'm like, I don't know who this person is, but it ain't you. <laughs> Anybody else, right? Like, just to, I've got a great gift for communication and when you finally get the job, go fix that. Ah. Like, okay, what happened to this guy on the book you gave me? Right? Like, God, God didn't look at Abraham's resume and be like, oh, yeah, Abraham, I love what you've got to say about yourself. I love the way you present yourself. It wasn't based on other people's thoughts. He didn't ring around for references. Hey, Bob, what do you think of Abram? You think I should let him be a prophet? And Bob's like, you know what? Uh, if you don't hire Abram, I think you're, you're being really stupid. You should definitely hire him. And God gets up the phone and he's like, well, I don't want to be stupid, so I'm going to hire Abram. It didn't happen like that. God didn't hire him. And then a few weeks later, after giving him the job, God's like, what are you doing with these Borat vibes? Dude, I did not see that coming. No, 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 no. God in his sovereignty and his foreknowledge knew all that Abraham would do. God in his omniscience, he knew. God who is not confined to the here and the now. God who knows all things and sees all things, knew all things that Abraham would do. And then said, worth it. Worth it. I'm going to use that man to do something incredible. That man, that man who lied, stole, cheated, trusted the wrong people, did the wrong things. I still see the good that I put in Abram. I'm going to use that man. And in those 25 years, we see a man that trusted God and a man who made a lot of failures. We also see a man who believed God so much that God credited it to him as righteousness and thus beginning an incredible uh, uh, an incredible journey for all of us where it, righteousness is imputed by faith in God. We also see a man who messed up, made serious mistakes, but in those 25 years, we see the heart of God, the God of mercy. That no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you have not surprised God with your behavior. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I am in no way excusing bad behavior. I'm just saying if it's in your past, I no longer care. If you've repented before God, it is finished. The question is not what have you done. The question is, what are you going to do now? And so again, I say for yesterday, mercy. For yesterday, mercy. For tomorrow, truth and grace. Here at Eternity Church, we raise a really high standard for how we ought to live our lives tomorrow. And we raise a really high standard of mercy for how you lived your life yesterday. We're not here to condemn you or to pronounce the judgment of God, the final judgment upon you for yesterday. And yes, we do judge what's right and what's wrong. And yes, we do judge, and we, yes, we do speak about it too. And we'll continue to speak about it. The world needs to know what's right and what's wrong. We will talk about it. We will call it out, but once it's in there yesterday and they have repented, there is just mercy, mercy, mercy. Amen.
James 2.13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen? And if you're having trouble letting go of yesterday, I'd love to pray you at the altar today. We're going to open the altar in about 15, 10, 15 minutes. And I'd love to pray that the Lord would help you to receive his mercy and that his grace would empower you to live better today and tomorrow than you did yesterday. That's what it means when it says his goodness leads men to repentance. We see a man like Abraham, not living right, but still God has a plan for his life. And that if he repents, yesterday's gone in God's eyes. And that his goodness and mercy in the face of the truth about how we lived or how he lived causes us to love him more and want to live a better life with him. Amen. And so I would encourage you to let the goodness of God lead you into a transformed life today by coming to the altar. Lastly, though, before I begin to open the front for prayer, lastly, though, I just want to roll back into into my sort of old school Pentecostal preacher vibes for a moment. Are we all all right with that? I'm still a Pentecostal. I know, I know you're surprised. You're like, I ain't never seen a snake in here, you know? I don't even know how that's what Pentecostals got known for. You know what a Pentecostal is? Someone who just believes that God's still Trinity. (laughs) It's so simple. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Right? That's just the Pentecostal. Oh, and that they're all still alive. That when Jesus came out of the grave, he wasn't like, you stay in there, Holy Ghost. Not how it happened. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? Right? So let me roll back into those vibes for a moment. I want to remind you that the promise of God is not late, even if it is later than you expected. Amen? Amen. He does things on time. Verse 2, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham, let's put it up there, and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken. He does things on time. 25 years later was not late. It was just later than Abraham would have appreciated it. Because sometimes we're not ready for the promise. Abraham certainly was not ready. Right? Good guy. Did a lot of great things. But he wasn't ready for that yet. And God knows. I think after each crisis in Abraham's life, he was probably like, I am not going to do that again. <laughs> right? Who does that when you end up in crisis? You know? Like, I am, you know, like, you, you bought something you shouldn't buy. Now you've got a financial crisis. Can't pay the rent. You finally get through it. And at the other end, you're like, I am not going to do that again. Until next time I do that. <laughs> right? And that's, I think, how Abraham probably was. Because what we talked about last Saturday night was in um, Genesis chapter 20, this is the second time we see Abraham say, she's my sister. And then at the end, in a moment of vulnerability and honesty, Abraham lets us know where that started and why he's been doing it. He said that when I left my father's house, he says this to Abimelech, when I left my father's house, I said to Sarah, Sarah, this is the kindness you must do me. Because you are the most beautiful woman on earth. And she's like, this is going great. I'm loving 
where this conversation is going, you know? And then he says, I need you to tell everyone you're my sister. And she's like, not where I thought it was going. And then he says, and the reason I want you to do that is every, he's everywhere we go, tell everyone that you're my sister so that they deal well with me. Otherwise, they'll kill me and take you. What we see is every time this happens in Abraham's life, it's an old fear rising its head again that he didn't deal with, that he hadn't dealt with yet. What he should have done is, 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 is when he met someone, he should have just said to them, to Abimelech and everybody else, that's my wife, she's smoking hot, you touch her, God will kill you dead. That's the vibe he should have rolled with, right? And that's called faith, okay? And um, he didn't a couple of times, but what we learn from that is we know that, well, we can assume that since he said everywhere we go that he's told this to everybody. And these are just the two that we got to hear about. So maybe it happened three times, maybe it happened 20 times, we don't know. But however many times it did happen, I know that at the other end, because I've been the guy who's created a crisis for myself, because most of the time that's how they happen. Sometimes the devil's coming at me and sometimes I create a crisis. Sometimes there's a little ant and I'm like, giant too, so sometimes it's not even a crisis. At the other end, in the relief moment, I'm like, I am never doing that again. And I, get, and, and I imagine Abraham did that too. I'm never doing that again. But then he didn't deal with it in the gap. He didn't deal with the fear. He didn't deal with the cause of this symptom. And so it came back up again. But, but, but I bet you he, he did in his heart, in the crisis, not want to do it again. My guess is that God knew that after this last mess up, that it wasn't just a feeling that he had, but a commitment that he was gonna do. And that that was not gonna happen again to him. He wasn't gonna do that again. He was really committed to living a better life and to doing the right thing, even when it's hard. And for many of you, that's how you've been. Maybe it's a sin that you're like, you know, you've just been like, you, you do something and you, as soon as it's done, you're like, ah, oh, I'm never doing that again. And then you do. I'm never doing it again. And then you do. Never do it. And, and on. Can I just tell you that one day you're going to say, I'm never doing it again. And then in a few months or years later, you're going to be able to say, and I didn't do it again. And that day's coming. The day where it goes from that repeat. And, and God knows when that is too. I mean, God knows when that, when that moment's coming. Just don't stop wanting to never do it again. One day it will be true. My guess is God knew that after this last mess up, he was never gonna do it again. That although he recently messed up, God knows his heart and knew that in this particular encounter, something changed. God knows your heart and God knows when you're ready and God knows when it's best. And maybe if it's, maybe God's like, you know what? They've still got these other things to work on in their life, but I can still bring the promise now and it'll be okay. Maybe, but God knows. You gotta trust him. He knows all things. I don't know your story. Maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for breakthrough in your marriage. But 25 years later, you're starting to doubt that that will ever come. Maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for your kids. 25 years later, you're starting to doubt 
that it'll ever come. Maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for a breakthrough in your finances. <clears throat> 25 years later, starting to doubt it'll ever come. You know, for me, I've, I've talked about it before, but when my finances were such a mess, I prayed and prayed and prayed that someone would just come and help me, Lord. There's lots of people with money. Why can't someone just give me some? And they never did. And I was like, what are they doing? Why don't they give me some? And, and the thing is, if I had 10 grand bad debt and someone came and wiped it at that point, you know what would have happened? Six months later, I'd have had 10 grand of bad debt waiting for someone to wipe it because I didn't learn anything. I didn't change the behaviors that got me there. And so sometimes God's just waiting for the change in the behavior. Not because he hates you, but because he doesn't want to help cement bad behaviors in your life. And getting that 10 grand then would have ensured that I would have stayed poor for the rest of my life. Just like ongoing welfare does for people. Just ensures that we're going to be poor for the rest of our lives. But I do know this. If God said he's going to heal, he's going to heal. Maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough in your health on your way to Dairy Queen to get another hot dog. Am I allowed to say that one? Can we all just be honest right now though? In a moment of vulnerability? Can we be vulnerable for a moment? Dairy Queen makes the best hot dogs in America. <laughs> just gonna put that out there. I said it, I said it, all right? I said it, okay? Come at me later with proof. Proof in each hand and I'll decide. But like we so often want these miracle changes that we will just destroy because we're not ready for them yet. Amen? I don't know what God promised you, but I do know his timing is perfect. He's not late. It's just later than you wanted it. So don't give up. Don't let go. Don't stop praying. Don't let your relationship with God be dependent on the things you want from God. That's not a good relationship. Why do you love your dad? He gives me things. Really? Come on. God doesn't want a relationship with you that's dependent on you getting things from him. He does the right things at the right time. Amen. 25 years later isn't the same as 25 years late. God is always on time. Usually when people start complaining, God didn't give me A, B, C or whatever it is that I want. Usually it's because they've developed a vending machine mentality with God. It's like put $2 in, out pops your miracle. I'm a tithe this week, next week I'm gonna be loaded. I'm gonna say no to a hamburger, next week I'm gonna be thin. <laughs> right? Come on. I ate a salad, I'm healthy now. Really? Remember what Nathan Finocchio said last week? He said, we have faith for what God said. If God said it, I believe it. Now we can hope for anything. I hope 
someone writes me a giant fat check and gives it to me on Wednesday and just has a note in the memo that says, I love you, Jesse, this is just because it's Wednesday. <laughs> that would be amazing. But God didn't promise me a giant fat check because it's Wednesday. So if I pray for that, I'm, I'm hoping for it, right? God doesn't always give us what we want. Sometimes what we want ain't gonna be good for us, right? Come on, just look at your kids. What would happen if everything they hope you give them, they get? Your kids will be the biggest morons in Iowa. And we will kick them out of our kids. Your number will be up there every eight seconds. All right? And we will start timing it. There will be count. How many times do you reckon the Bartons are going out to get that kid today? You know what I mean? Sorry, Bartons. I love you. I just needed to pick a name, all right? And it just came to my head. But he does always give us what we need. Everything he gives us is good for us. And he always gives us and he always does for us. And he always does in us, through us and around us what he promised he would. Amen. He does everything he says he will do. Got anxiety? He does say that he'll give you peace. So when we pray for peace over anxiety, we're not praying for something we hope for, we're praying for something he promised. Can I get an amen? Amen. You're suffering in your marriage? Someone forgot to tell you about the three rings. You thought there were two rings. You're like, there's an engagement ring and a wedding ring and no one told you about the suffering you're like, what is this? No one told me about this. I hate this. Can I, can I read 1 Peter 5 to you? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Firstly, you can't even get saved without humility. So you've actually got to recognize I need Jesus and then pray the prayer. You hear what I'm saying? God opposes the proud because grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore. Can I tell you that uh, step one in restoring every marriage, obviously after giving your life to Christ, the first thing you gotta do is humble yourself. I know I've been telling my wife that for you. No, no. It doesn't say humble your wife. Humble your husband. Therefore, no, no, no. Humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Yes, that means don't be a drunk, but it, it doesn't just mean don't be drunk. It's, it's in your mind. Just don't let your mind get away from you. Don't let anxieties, don't let fears rule your mind and then make decisions. No, 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 be sober-minded. So don't get drunk and... Keep in control of your thoughts. Be watchful because your adversary or your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This after you have suffered a little while, 
It's like a double-edged sword. Number one, it's this. God's not a vending machine. And even if I suffer until my death, having stood firm, I will be rewarded in glory. And that is enough. Amen? Right? That is enough. I want God to fix this. I want God to heal this. I want God to release this. I want God to do this. But even if I suffer until death, I know that my reward will be great in heaven. Amen? But number two, it also speaks of God's intention that you have a breakthrough in the here and the now, that your anxieties, that your sufferings would be eased and healed on this earth. That as Jesus said, that you would have life and life abundantly, both now and eternally. And when you pray for that in your marriage, you are praying for that which God desires for you. God instituted marriage. God hates divorce. God wants to reconcile and restore you. God wants to do that. God wants your spouse to humble themselves and submit to God and that you would too. Don't be the spouse that gives up. Don't be the spouse that stops believing. Don't be the spouse that walks away on the 31st of December on the 24th year thinking that 25 years is too late. Let 25 years just be later rather than too late. And I know some of you have walked away and I know some of you have given up. And Hey, for yesterday, mercy. Are you married now? Are you married to somebody? You remarried? Well, today, grace and truth, amen. Grace and truth, let's not do that again. Better to be given up on than to give up on. Why, do you know what? God, I'm praying and believing for healing and restoration, but you are who I'm living for first and foremost. And the idea that I deserve to be happy is second to the idea that I wanna honor you. And you hate divorce. So I'm gonna stay in this and I'm gonna believe and believe and I'm gonna pray in faith for what you promised me. That though I'll suffer for a little while, you will release it and exalt me. Someone say amen. So for yesterday, mercy. For tomorrow, let's live a better way. Amen. Rinse and repeat whatever the breakthrough, the promise of God in your life that you're waiting for. So in summary, as the band comes out from the two corners of the stage. I don't know why they don't just wait there for me the whole time. You know? no, just, maybe because I'm not God. Hello. Is it the Leonard kid today? No. Nope. Who is it? Oh, it's Sean again. It's not the little drummer boy. I love your shirt, man. It's awesome, isn't it? Spirit, truth, love. So in summarization, God knew you before he formed you, thought you were worth it. God knew what wrong you would do before he called you and thought you were worth it. 
God knew your deepest, darkest secrets. Before he hired you, you didn't surprise him. God doesn't turn around. You do. Amen? And that's why he calls you. Because when he says that this is the promise and you're facing that way, and everybody's like, I don't even know why you're calling him that, Lord. God's like, because you watch, he's gonna turn around. <laughs> and when I decided that's what he is, it wasn't based on which direction he was walking at the time. It was based on what I know to be true. There's mercy for yesterday. There's grace and there's truth for tomorrow. And James 2.13 again for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. For mercy triumphs over judgment. So we're gonna pray today. We're gonna open the front for prayer. We're gonna pray, break some shame off people's lives. We're gonna pray that God would help you to live tomorrow better than you lived yesterday. Let's be the church that always shows mercy. Amen? Always shows mercy. Amen? I love it when people are surprised because they know, like the news called us the ultra-conservative megachurch. And I was like, um, I didn't know how you finally graduate to megachurch status. Apparently, the media gives you that certificate. <laughs> and so anyway, so, um, so welcome to Des Moines' latest megachurch. <laughs> We're nowhere near that size, just FYI. <laughs> and um, so when people hear that and they come, let them, as they do, come in still and just be blown away by the mercy in this place. Let them be blown away by the fact that, you know what, they really do. They're like, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. And then they draw a line and say, if you've been doing that, we love you, you're welcome. Tomorrow, let's do this. <clears throat> let's be the church that remembers mercy. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.